0: All right, this is going to be a hot podcast coming at you. I got uh, talk about the Stardom in Birmingham. I got talk about uh, the ghost from Three Men and a Little Lady. I got um, uh, talk about growing up on a farm. And I got some advice for younger comics. So here we go. Welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the We're Having a Good Time podcast. My name is Dusty Slay, and my co-host, Hannah Hogan, is still in Canada. Actually, she's not in Canada. She is uh, just crossed the border today, back in America, and I'm excited about that, but she has a weekend out of town uh, doing comedy, so we will be reunited on Sunday, and that's very exciting. It's very exciting for both of us. Uh, But first, let's go ahead and get into the where we've been, where we're going, portion of the podcast. Um, I This past weekend was in uh, Birmingham and or Hoover, Alabama at the Stardome Comedy Club. Now before I tell you about this, I'm going to tell you that the Stardome was a place that scared me for a long time. Uh, A lot of my more hipster uh, comedy friends had been there and had bombed And had told me about it. And I had also been told that, you know, it's such a big stage that the people that come to that comedy club like a lot of energy. And it's shaped like a fishbowl. I think I've gone over this before because I've been to the Stardome recently. But it's shaped like a fishbowl, like a half bowl. And there's just a ton of people in there. They can sit up to, I think, 400 people. And it can be uh, terrifying. So I had just I had just been told that comics like me, that comics that just stand there and tell jokes, don't do well at the stardom. So I was afraid of it. I never sought it out. I was like, that's the one club that I was like, nah, I'm okay. But I got booked there uh, last year, and I had a great time. And then this year, I got booked to headline, and uh, I had a great time. So when I got the opportunity to go back, this time with James Gregory... Uh, who's a comic that I think is super funny and who I've admired for a long time for many reasons. And and one of the reasons is, you know, James Gregory has never been, you know, quote unquote famous. Now, he's been very famous in the Southeast and Midwest and very popular. Uh, Like, he you know, in in the 80s and 90s, I mean, he was selling out show after show after show. Some, Some clubs that will do, nowadays will do four show weekends. He was selling out six or eight shows that weekend. So I admired that he was able to do something like this you know without the help of TV. So I find him to be super funny and I, I enjoyed talking to him so uh, to get the feature for him on Friday and Saturday was great at the start of. Them. Now we only did one show on Friday, it was sold out and then two shows on Saturday and the first show Saturday was sold out. So James Gregory, I don't know how old he is, but he started comedy in 1982. And was about my age when he started. And I was born in 1982. So that puts him around 70, if I'm guessing. Uh, and I'm only guessing because I don't know how old he is. So, But he's been doing comedy my entire life. And he has fans. His fans are not, and this is my opinion. I don't know for sure. This is just my opinion based on hearing people talk to James Gregory. His fans are not necessarily comedy fans. They are James Gregory fans. I mean, that's intense fans. Like, these are people that won't go see comedy. It doesn't matter who comes to the comedy club. They're not going to see comedy. But they'll go see James Gregory no matter where he's at. And I think because people would come out and they'd go, Hey, this is my eighth time seeing you. You know, this is my kid's first time seeing you. I've seen you a bunch of times. And it's amazing to see this uh, because he is very funny. But it's amazing to see someone have that kind of following. So I had a great time doing those shows, being able to talk with James Gregory. And uh, it's very exciting. Uh, But then on Sunday, I got to headline my own show. Which we had a great turnout. Now, granted, I know a lot of those were free tickets, but we had a really fantastic turnout. It wasn't sold out, but it was really packed. And a lot of people did come back to see me that have come to see me there before, which I always appreciate. Uh, a lot. Of, some people said they drove three hours to see me because they had seen me here last time, and uh, they brought their whole family. And I love that. And they set up front row. They were like, well, last time we were here, we got stuck way in the back. We wanted to make sure we got up front this time. That's exciting. I love seeing that. And that show was great. Dan Whitehurst came down featured for me. Dan Whitehurst is very funny. Uh, Dan Whitehurst is a headliner, but uh, I enjoy working with him. I enjoy talking to him. So I asked him to feature for me. And he had, a great, he had an incredible set. And uh, it was tough for me to follow, but uh, I did it. And we had a good time. And uh, I think the show overall was very exciting. I've said exciting several times in this already, but that just shows you how pumped I am. Birmingham was fun though. I like Birmingham. This is what I think about Birmingham traffic. This was my analysis of Birmingham traffic. I feel like everybody in Birmingham is like, I got to get around this person so I can get in front of them and slow down. That's what everyone does. They go speeding around you and then they get in front of you and hit the brakes. That's what Birmingham traffic is. Um, And then let's see, um, what else did I do? Anyway, I wanted to lead by saying that the Stardome, I was very afraid of the Stardome, but each time that I do a set on that stage, I feel like I am conquering a fear. And Sunday night, my headlining set was the most comfortable I had ever been at the Stardome, and it felt great. I think it helped that the late show on Saturday was a room full of James Gregory fans just staring at me for 20 minutes. (laughs) I mean, I got laughs. I never don't get laughs and I don't mean that I mean I don't mean that like oh I'm always hilarious I'm just telling you that if I'm on stage for 20 minutes I'm getting a laugh somewhere in that set it may be a terrible set but I'm getting a laugh and uh, I did and it was a great time and also uh, what else did I do in Birmingham I went to uh, a cigar shop uh, off on 280 I forget what that shop's called but I've been there a bunch of times they got a great selection I like the cigars I just would like to give them a shout-out, if I can, because, uh, um, let's see, it's called Dirty... No. No, it's not called that. It's called the Humidor Room Cigar and Scotch Bar. Great place. U.S. 280, Birmingham. And then, let's see, where else did I go? I stayed at the Courtyard by Marriott in Birmingham. Great hotel. I like them. They're always nice and friendly. Comfortable rooms. These people aren't sponsors. I'm just giving just giving out free promo for these people because uh, I want to tell them I appreciate it. And then I went to Jack Brown's Burgers uh, in Birmingham in a real cool area. They had a Hattie B's. They had some apartments right above it. I dig that. You know, I wish that my apartment complex would put a store right in the complex so we could all just go shop there. I don't know why we're not all building our own communities. I got to leave the complex. I got to drive into, uh, you know... Uh, my life's so hard. and uh, But Jack Brown's Burgers, very tasty. Um, I, did, I went to one there and also in the Outer Banks when I was out there. I enjoyed that. And then that's where I was. And then tonight I am going to be at Zany's Comedy Club. This is July 11th. I'm going to be at Zany's Comedy Club doing a charity show. Uh, and it is called... Uh, I want to make sure that I get it right because I think it is a great charity. I haven't done a great job of promoting it. I've been I've been kind of slack, uh, but I think this is going to be very good. Uh, a lot of people are talking about it. Anyway, it's a charity show tonight. I wish that I had better. I thought that it would be easy to find those. Uh, But it it appears to be a bit harder than I thought. But I'll be there July 11th. Henry Cho and Jeff Allen are going to be on the show with me. So it's very exciting. It's called Scott Hamilton Cares. Scott Hamilton Cares. Be Jeff Allen, Henry Cho, and me. Um, And it is a night uh, tonight for a night of laughs while raising funds for cancer research. So we're researching cancer with the money that we make off this show. So I won't be doing the research. Somebody will, though. And then let's see. Uh, uh, tonight, uh, Hannah has been in Canada. She didn't do any shows last weekend. She hung out with her family. She hung out with her brother. She went to a Blue Jays game. Uh, she did all kinds of exciting, fun things, but she did not do any comedy. To my Oh, actually, you know what she did? Uh, she did a couple of weed rooms up in Toronto, which is rooms where people are smoking weed, and you go in there and tell jokes. And I've talked about this before. It seems like it would be a dream come true. Uh, But a lot of times it's just people, uh, real stoned, staring at you blankly. So it can be hard. But I think Hannah does well in those rooms. She's animated and she's very funny. But uh, tonight she'll be in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I don't know the venue name, but if you're interested in what she's doing, it'd be MissHannahHogan.com. No, at MissHannahHogan or HannahHoganComedy.com. I'm sure she's got her stuff all up to date. And then this weekend she'll be uh, July 12th through the 14th at Blue Room Comedy Club in Springfield, Missouri. Uh, that's a really fun room, really fun place. Christopher Michael Ray books that runs that club. He does a great job. He's such a nice guy. He books some people in some shady uh, some shady uh, uh, apartments from time to time. but I've uh, I've stayed in some of those and uh, I find it to always be fun and always an adventure. I like Christopher Michael Ray a lot. Uh, if you want to go see Hannah there, I recommend it. It's fun shows. She's going to be fun. And then I am going to go to Seaside, Florida this weekend for vacation. Uh, some of my old friends from Opelika that I hung out with in Birmingham this weekend, uh, that one of them has a beach house down in Seaside. One of them is very rich, apparently. I don't know what they're doing, but, uh, (laughs) but it's fun. I hung out uh, on Saturday night. I went over, he has a room above his garage in Birmingham and we hung out uh, there in his uh, room above the garage. And this room above the garage was bigger than the apartment that I lived in in Charleston, I think. I mean, there was no kitchen in there. It wasn't like that, but it was great. And we smoked some Cuban cigars up in this room and we had a great time. And now I'm going to go to Seaside, hang out with him at his beach house, hopefully some other Opelika buddies. I mean, these are people that I used to hang out with when when I had just turned uh, 16 and I had a a 1984 Ford Bronco, Bronco 2, Um, and this thing was red. My dad had put these uh, chrome wheels on it and I had, uh, you know, a new stereo in there. He put new interior. I mean... New paint job. I mean, outside, inside, the thing was phenomenal. The motor was garbage, but the car looked fantastic. It's just that, from what I understand, there was a Ford Mustang motor. Now, I'm not a powerful motor, but a regular Ford Mustang motor was inside the body of this Ford Bronco 2 and it matched up at the starter. Now, I don't don't know a lot about cars. This is what people told me. So when you went to crank the car, it made this noise. It went, and it was very loud. And I replaced the starter one time and it got worse because they had modified the other starter to make it sound less awful. So every day I would leave school, I would get out into the parking lot and I would crank my car and... If I were a grown, you know, right now as a grown man, if that were happening, I probably wouldn't be into it. It's still not fun when your car makes noise, but I could deal with it. As a teenager, it was awful for me. In fact, one time, me and my buddy Costa, we went to... Now, Costa wasn't living. He was my childhood friend, and uh, he wasn't living in Opelika anymore. And he had just come to visit me. And I was... uh, Uh, senior, if a junior, maybe, maybe a senior, but anyway, there was this girl that used to work at this gas station, uh, in front of the house. Now she worked at the pizza part of the gas station. Uh, her name was Jessica and she worked at this pizza place and I had a real crush on her. I'm sure that she never knew. Probably no one knew, uh, because, but I would go there to that gas station and buy drinks all the time. Even if I didn't need a drink, I would go up there and get one. And try to see if she was working and talk to her. Now, she went to school with me. She was about a year older than me. And in high school, I had, I had no idea how to ask a girl on a date. Now, I could ask a girl to a dance with me, but that's a whole different story. I'll talk about that maybe on this podcast. But So we would go up there, and um, I would go up to the store. I would see her, and one time she, introduced, she, she invited me to this party, right? And I was like, oh, great this is perfect. Maybe she liked me too, but again, I would never know. And so me and Costa, Costa comes to town. I was like, Hey, I got a party that we can go to tonight. So we go to this party and the party's all outdoors. All right. So we pull up park and we get out and, uh, we walk down and everybody's hanging out there and we hang out for a bit, but everybody's a bit older than us. We're not sure what to do. So we just kind of hang out. And then after a bit, we decide, Hey, we're going to be cool. We're going to leave. So we go get in the car, and this red Bronco 2 was also a stick shift. So I cranked up the car, made the awful, everybody at the party could hear. It was very obvious. And then I put it in reverse, and as I was backing out, the car, it it stalled. It's like it was stuck. And I had parked in a little bit of mud, but I thought, that's not enough to stick it. So I, I crank it again. Right, And and then I back it up and then it stalls again. And me and Coaster are both just red faced, embarrassed. And I'm like, I'm thinking we got to put it in four wheel drive because it was a four wheel drive Bronco too, by the way got to put it in four wheel drive. But in order to put it in four wheel drive, you had to lock the hubcaps. So you had to get out and lock them. And neither of us wanted to get out of the car. So I just kept reversing it. And I bet I had to re-crank the car like five or six times before I finally noticed that I had put the emergency brake on. (laughs) uh, So I popped the emergency brake. Immediately I back out and we drive away. And uh, I never went on the date with Jessica. Uh, so that never panned out, believe it or not. I never got the date with a girl that worked at the gas station. But uh, So that's two podcasts in a row where I've uh, failed uh, to get a date with the girl who waited tables at Western Sizzling, and now a girl that worked at a gas station. So you can see that uh, I've come a long way. I've uh, really made some strides for myself in life. But I will say both of those girls still were very attractive. I'm not I'm not demeaning anyone that works at Western Sizzling or at uh, a gas station because uh, I've also worked at Western Sizzling. I have not worked at a gas station, but I'm not above it. I'm not above anything. I mean, this comedy thing could end at any point. Who knows? And I could be working at the gas station. So keep me in your prayers. And anyway... <laughs> so that's where i'm gonna be seaside florida i may get a show going there but they're they're telling me no right now we used to do shows me and evan burke and vince Fabro. we used to do shows in seaside every july 4th for about four or five years in a row and uh we just vince had some kids evan got a job with tmz and uh that broke up the crew but i remember the first one i think it was 2012, We went down there. We were called the Low Country Comedy Tour. And it was great. We had a really good time. And we did that years and years. Uh, met a lot of people. Had a lot of fun. But the problem with Seaside for doing shows is that it's vacation people. So they're all really old or they're all kids. And I don't want kids at the show. And old people don't want to come to see my show. Not, not most of them. And... And they're on vacation. They're like, you know what? We're down here to enjoy our family. We don't need to go see some show. But I feel like that my show would sell better now because, you know, I'm very famous and I've been on TV and uh, I think that people would come to see me. So I'm going to talk to them about it. If you live in Seaside and you'd like to see me, why don't you shoot Seaside Repertory Theater and email say, we'd love to see Dusty. And um, so that's where we're going, where we've been. Uh, and now I want to get into maybe a little advice for comedians. I didn't actually write down what I wanted the advice to be. Uh, but I will say this, I got an, I got a message from a guy and I need to message him back, but this is what I say. I mean, if you, the, the process for getting booked at any club is, is always different. I have no way to tell you how to go from zero to getting booked at a club. But what I will say is if you live in that town, the thing to do is go and hang around. Just be seen. Be hanging around. Try to get yourself on local showcases. And whenever you get yourself on a local showcase, even if, if if you show up and there's 10 people in the audience, don't come out and complain about those 10 people in the audience. Come out and do your best jokes and try your best to make those 10 people laugh. Because if those 10 people laugh... People at the club will see you. And also, be nice to people at the club. Be nice to the servers. Be nice to the cooks. Be nice to people in the box office. Anyone that you encounter. Just in general, it's a good idea to just be nice to people. But a thing that I learned when working for Spectracide, right? Like one day, you know, there may be a guy who's a stalker on the pesticide aisle. and, And I may say something rude to him. And then for all I know, the next day he's going to become the department manager. And now this guy that was a lowly stalker is now in charge of that department. And now I've been rude to him and he doesn't want to help me. So be nice to everyone. I mean, and tip the waitresses. I mean, if you're getting drinks and stuff in there and you're not tipping, uh, they're going to remember you. They're going to remember you more for being a a, a bad tipper than they were for you being a regular tipper. So uh, you don't have to tip astronomically, but give some money so that, that, that people appreciate you because talk goes around. So if you put all these things together, if you show up, you're nice to people at the club, you go on stage, you have a funny set, regardless of how many people are in the audience. And then you're nice and you tip, people are going to talk about you. And they're going to go, Hey, you know, that, that one guy that was here, that one girl that was here, uh, they were very nice. They were very funny. I'd love to see them back again. The waitresses don't book the comedy club. Uh, The kitchen staff doesn't book the comedy club, but all that stuff goes around. It may not go around so much that you are nice to them, but it'll definitely go around if you were rude to them. You know what I mean? So just in general, be on your best behavior in the club. Don't go in the club and lay down on the couch and take your shoes off and take your shirt off and just act like you're at work. You know, I mean, you'll reach a point like you'll see a headliner, you know, like Bert Kreischer never wears a shirt, right? But he's also selling out the club until you're selling out the club. Don't be hanging out with your shirt off back there. Now, again, you do whatever you want. As I always say, you do whatever you want. I'm just sharing my advice. This is how I'll I'll conduct myself. In fact, when I go to an open mic in a town that I don't know, I don't even try to make friends with people. Now, I'm nice to everyone, but I don't try to make conversation until after I've gone on stage and been funny because it's a waste of time. Otherwise, I'm just out there going, hey, guys, hey, guys, you want to talk to me? You want to be my friend? But I just go up and be funny. And then after I'm funny, then they want to be my friend. You know what I mean? And that's just that's just a good way to handle it. So if you're in a town and you want to get booked, be present, be funny. And now. If you're out of town and you want to get booked, I still think a lot of those principles apply. I mean, you try to get into any showcase that you can get on. You you look on the website. If you see local showcases, try to get yourself on one of those. Just say, hey, I'm willing to come and be willing to travel without getting paid and be willing to get yourself uh, your own place to stay. There's Airbnb. There's hotels. There's Ignite Hospitality, which it does great deals on hotels. Um... You know, you you want to look into those things. Adam at at Ignite Hospitality is great. He does great things. He gets people great hotels. Um, So, and then get on that showcase and then follow all those other things that I've said. And then do your best and then follow up with the club. Now, there's no guarantees with any of those things, but that's where becoming a good comic is going to help you. Now, I think that it's important to be unique, to be original. And to be funny. Like, I mean, I don't mean to dwell about politics all the time when when it comes to being on stage. or or, But if, if you're coming on stage and you're talking politics, you're talking religion, you're talking things that are sensitive to other people then those people that are booking you may have a sensitivity to one of those things you're talking about. Now, you can't live your life walking on eggshells trying not to offend people, but I'm just saying these are some basic things to steer away from while you're trying to get booked. I mean, chances are you're going to be doing a five to ten minute set at any of these showcases. I'm sure you can do 5 to 10 funny minutes without getting into anything divisive. Now, if you get booked and you come back and you're doing 30 minutes, by all means, do whatever you want to do. But just know that when you're doing material that could be considered offensive, you run the risk of offending people. And uh, you don't want to do that when you're trying to get booked on a gig. So, I hope this answers the question. But, I mean, the point is, from day one... Work on being creative and original. I'll tell you a joke that's not original. To go on stage and go, this is my first time doing comedy. I hope it's not like my first time having sex. Right? That joke is done by everyone. It's not original. But if you're going to do that on your first time on stage, that's fine because it's your first time on stage. Do what makes you comfortable. But after you got a few under your belt, like start getting with it. You know what I mean? Like Start writing some original stuff. Like... You know, and and, and you're not going to know what's been done at, at, if you've not been around. I mean, I've seen a million comedy shows. I mean, so it's like uh, I've seen a lot of things. So I know, you know, when something's hack or not, for the most part, you know. But you know, just just be tr- focus on being original, being funny, being as clean and, and as least offensive as possible, and then be nice to everyone at the club and do your best despite how many people are in the audience, and and then don't trash yourself after, right? If your set doesn't go well or doesn't live up to your standards, don't trash yourself. Don't go back in the back and go, oh, this sucks, and don't trash the audience. Don't go, oh, that audience sucked tonight. Just go and tell the booker, hey, I had a great time here. I'd love uh, you know, more opportunities. Uh, I really enjoy the club. Always compliment the club, you know what I mean? Because Who doesn't like to be complimented? All right, so that's my advice for comics, new comics. uh, Take it for what you want, Uh, you know, do with it whatever you want. If you're like, that guy's stupid, I don't want to follow that, then don't follow it. Find your own way. But if you're looking for advice, that's what I would do. Now, I'd like to talk about this other thing. This came to my attention. I don't know who remembers the movie Three Men and a Baby. Remember that? Three Men and a Baby? I think it was Ted Danson, uh, uh, the guy who played Mahoney in Police Academy, Steve Guttenberg, and then another uh, uh, guy who was Tom Selleck, another guy that was famous for a mustache, right? The movie, it doesn't matter what the movie was about, but these guys, I think they were babysitting a kid. I don't know, but when I was a kid, I had this movie on VHS, and most people are familiar with VHS, but some people are not, and VHS was a tape that uh movies were on instead of a cd instead of a dvd instead of just clicking on something you had this black cartridge um and this cartridge would slide into a machine and then you would press play and it would play and then you could easily rewind and fast forward and in the day of vhs there was no internet Right? There was no way to research things. There was no way to watch a movie and go, who's this actor in this? And then pull your phone out of your pocket and look up who that actor was and what other movies he's been in. There was none of that. You were just watching a thing and you were like, oh, this that's interesting. Right? So someone told us that there was a scene in the movie Three Men and a Baby that there was a ghost in the scene, and we were like, "Oh no," because we were into unsolved mysteries. I mean, I don't know. I don't know why I was into unsolved mysteries. I would watch unsolved mysteries. I couldn't take my eyes off of it, and then I would get terrified at night while I was sleeping, and then I couldn't take my mind off things. Uh, I already was told that my dad's house was haunted. I don't know if it is, but people told me that when I was a kid. And then uh, my mom worked third shift, so when I was with her, she would leave at night, and I'd be by myself in the trailer park, right? So I'm terrified all the time of ghosts, because all I'm watching is Unsolved Mysteries. Nobody's monitoring what I'm watching. I'm, there was a, I remember a ghost story about a kid at a lighthouse holding a lantern or something, and all I could think about all the time was seeing this ghost kid with a lantern out my window. Uh, I read a I watched an Unsolved Mysteries about these ghost... This house caught on fire and these ghosts appeared in a doorway and woke the lady up to save her from the fire. These were good ghosts that saved a lady from a fire and I wouldn't sleep with a door open in my bedroom for most of my life because I was afraid to see a ghost in the doorway. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm terrified of these things growing up. I still won't watch horror movies because of it now. I don't need those mental images in my head. Garbage in, garbage out. That's what they say. I don't want to watch it. But during this time, I didn't realize those things. So we were like, oh, three men and a baby. Yes, let's find the ghost. So there is a scene, and I don't remember exactly where it's at, Where, but you you see the cast. Some of them, they pass by this window, and there's a kid standing in the window. And it's Scared me to death. Scared me so much that I rewound it. I watched it again. I rewound it and I watched it again. Over and over, I would watch this ghost by the window seal. Now, for some reason in my head, the window seal, because he was standing behind like a kind of a see-through curtain, that translated to being in a closet. I was afraid to look in closets. I kept the closet closed all the time. The doorway's closed. The closet's closed. Everything's closed because there could be ghosts in there. My entire life I was terrified of this ghost. it went so far as stories were written about this and stories were passed around like because they weren't on the internet they were passed around word of mouth we would be t- we would be told that in the in the apartment that they filmed three men and a baby in a young man had shot himself with a shotgun and killed himself and that's why. His ghost is lingering in this apartment. And then when you watch the video, we're like, yeah, you can see the shotgun right beside him. It's all true, right? (laughs) And maybe it is. But this weekend, while I was hanging out with my friend Kenny uh, up in his apartment in Birmingham, we got to talking about this. And so he told me that he had researched it before. And so he pulled it up on his phone. He pulled it out. Turns out what it is is that Ted Danson was very popular during this time. And Ted Danson had all these cardboard cutouts of himself. And somehow one of those cardboard cutouts was leaning against the wall and just got missed as they were filming the movie. So they pass by this thing and it's actually a Ted Danson cutout and not a ghost at all. And as for the apartment that they filmed in where the kid had committed suicide... Apparently, they didn't even film in an apartment. It was all just a set that was just made up for the movie. It wasn't even an apartment. Now, again, I don't know if that's true. But to read that and know that the ent- my entire life I was terrified of a Ted Dancing cardboard cutout upsets me. I mean... I lived my whole life afraid of this ghost. I, didn't, I wasn't afraid the ghost was going to get me. I'm never afraid that the ghosts are going to do anything to me. I just was afraid to see them. That's why when people talk about doing ayahuasca or doing that, whatever that drug is where they they talk about uh, peyote or something, they go into a, a DMT, that's what it is, and they go into some kind of weird trance and tunnel and they're seeing weird, spiritual alien ghosts. I'm like, Oh no, I don't want any part of that. Uh, you know, when people used to talk about acid or LSD. They would say they would see purple elephants. It's like, well, that's fun. A cartoon elephant. That's fun. I wouldn't mind seeing that, but do I want to see some kind of weird insect like alien? No, no, I got no interest in that. I got no interest in near heart attacks. You know what I mean? And so that's that. I haven't been watching any conspiracies, really. Uh, I stumbled upon a video yesterday of a real uh, Planet of the Apes type island that exists, apparently in North, uh, not Lebanon. What is it? North North Liberia. Uh, they used to do experiments on monkeys. They would, and a lot of them caught hepatitis and various other diseases. And so, once they got to a certain point, they would release them on this island. And then they would go out and feed the monkeys. But apparently now, there's a whole island out there that you can just go out to. And these very aggressive, uh, injured, beat-up monkeys live out there on this island. And 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 they go in out there and feed them and they take care of them. And you know their justification was like, these monkeys have been tortured and treated on. And now we're going to let them live out their lives on this island. And I'm thinking, and they were saying as opposed to killing the monkeys they let them live on this island and I'm just thinking you know is it not better for the monkeys to just kill them I don't know I mean you know if it were humans it'd be different and I don't mean that in a cruel way I don't mean kill the monkeys I just mean you've been injecting them with different diseases to test the effects on it and now when they're done you just release them into the wild I just feel like the monkeys might be better off if you just went ahead and put them to sleep but I'm not judging. All I'm saying is it's pretty interesting. So there's a real monkey island out there where these monkeys live and I don't think any other animals and definitely not humans. And they go out there and they feed them. It's pretty fun. So no conspiracies that that I'm aware of. Um, I do think it's funny. Now, this is not a political statement. This is just... Talking about the words, right? For a long time, we've heard about global warming. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying it's real. I'm just saying people have been talking about it, right? Things have been heating up and we're worried about the ice melting. So we're like, save the ice, save the polar bears. And then lately, now there's a thing that says, abolish ice. The same people that wanted to save the ice now want to abolish ice. I get it. I get it. But I just think the words are funny. It's funny verbiage. Okay, so what I'd like to talk about now is that I always talk about growing up in a trailer. I did grow up in a trailer. When I was two years old, my parents got divorced. And then my mom moved into a trailer park. And my dad, he lives on a farm. Now, my dad's farm, I don't talk about it as much. Uh, but on his farm... He lives in the house, he was born in 1947, and in that year, his dad built his house. It's a cement block house that he built in 1947. And my dad lived in that house with his mom and his dad until 1966, and in 1966, his, and, it, and so between 47 and 66, they lived, 19 years, they lived in this house, and my My granddad, uh, who was born in 1900, was a farmer and my dad was a farmer and they, you know, they milked cows, they had chickens, they had horses, uh, they, they grew their own corn to feed the horses, they had cows, they had a whole farm and mules and my uncle would, or my granddad would plow a field with a mule and one plow and then he worked at a, not a cotton mill, but he worked at some kind of plant. Maybe it was a cotton mill. I don't know. And, uh, and that's what they did. And in 1966, my granddad died of a heart attack. And he was 66 years old and he died of a heart attack. And my other grandfather, by the way, my mom's dad, died in 1965 of a heart attack. A lot of heart attacks in the family. And uh, so my dad and his mom, they sold the farm and they moved to town to Lafette, Alabama, and for 10 years, my dad lived in downtown Lafette, Alabama, and then 10 years, the farm came up for sale, and my dad bought back the farm that he grew up on, so he's lived, my dad's lived in that all but 10 years of his life, has lived in this same house, now he remodeled the house, he done a lot of work to it, looks great, it's a nice house. But he lives on there. And so growing up, I spent every other weekend with my dad. And then I spent during the summer out every other week. So I would be a week with my mom, a week with my dad, a week with my mom, a week with my dad. It made it possible for me to have summer plans. Actually, in fact, I didn't hang out with a lot of kids from school during the summer because it was just so confusing. It was like people would invite me out and I'd be like, oh, I met my dad's that weekend. So I couldn't go. So people stopped inviting me eventually. I get it. But I had friends at my dad's house too. Uh, I had two stepbrothers, both older than me, and who I haven't seen in years. I've talked to one of them on Facebook a few times. I mean, we were brothers for, you know, 10 years, and then they, my parents, uh, my dad, and, and, and their mom got divorced, and uh, so I didn't see them anymore. Uh, but anyway, uh, we played. They had friends. They went to school there. And my dad really made us work, and I didn't like it. I appreciate it now because I have a good work ethic, but I didn't like it. I mean, my dad would have us building fences. We would build barbed wire fences, right? So we'd be going along, but first I would I would have to, to put the poles in the ground. My dad would ride along, and he would lay out a metal pole about 10 feet from each other, and then he would just lay them on the ground, and then he would put me out with this probably 20 to 30 Uh, pound metal thing. And this metal thing had two handles on it and it would go over top of that fence post. So I would hold the fence post up, I'd put that thing over, and then I would lift it up and slam it down. Lift it up, (laughs) slam it down. And I would drive those posts into the ground. And then I would walk all the way down a field and I would just drive one after another, one after another. Great shoulder workout. Very, Very good shoulders because of this. And then we would come along with barbed wire fence, and it would be in a roll, and we would roll it out, and then we would attach what's called a wire stretcher onto it, and it's a crank, and we would crank it to make the wire real tight, and then we would go along, and with a pair of pliers and these metal ties, we would tie the barbed wire to the fence post that I drove, and we would get cut up. My dad would get all cut up with this wire and just keep working. Now, there was a guy named, uh, I forget his name, Joe Green, I think, but I I could be wrong about that. In fact, I am wrong about it. It's not Joe Green. It's Joe something. Uh, But he used to hang out at Joe Joe Sims. No, probably not either. But he used to hang out at the old store in my dad's town, and he had one arm, and you could never understand what he said, but he was always laughing. He had a southern accent, but it was just something else. He would just rah, 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 ha ha ha. So I'd just laugh, you know. I was a little kid; I didn't know what to do. But I asked my dad what happened to his arm, and he said, "Well, he got cut up with barbed wire, and then it got infected, and he got gangrene, and then it had to be amputated." So every time we're out there, and my dad's getting cut up, and I'm getting cut up, I'm thinking, "Well, I guess I'm going to lose my arm now." But the um, but when we would do this, and then there would be and there would be catch pins that he would have. He would build these catch pens or he would build the ends where the fence or, or the gate would be attached. So you would need a sturdier thing. That used to be cross ties, the big wooden cross ties that they put down for railroads. We would put those down, but then they would rot over the years. So what he, my dad got was these metal posts, big metal posts that he could now, with these, he would he had a drill on the back of his tractor, and he would drill into the ground. He would drop the post, then fill it in with cement, and, uh, and then it would be in there. But he would need to weld these together. So whenever we would weld, my dad was a great welder. He welded a, a, a horse trailer, and or a cow trailer, and a flatbed trailer. And a great welder. But I had to be his holder, right? So I would hold things while he welded them. And I mean well, there was some gloves around sometimes but for the most part we weren't a glove wearing family. We were a we're just going to do this with our hands. So I would set up these posts and I would I would stand there and I would have one hand on one post and one hand on another and when you weld now I don't know everything about welding but there is a thing where you set a ground, you know, you set a ground to get rid of I guess I don't know the static electricity or whatever's happening. And he would set this ground, and as he would set this ground, it would send a little jolt, and the jolt would go through me. So I would be semi-electrocuted all the time as a kid, and then my dad would weld, and this thing would come up, and then we would, um, and then once that was welded together, then I would have to go behind, and I would have to paint it with a thick Oily silver paint, and I just had to. I was just working all the time, so you know, I'm not into work. I'm glad that I did it because I have a healthy work ethic. Now, I don't know that this was going anywhere, but uh, my dad is also. I'm not trashing my dad on this, but my dad has a temper, right? So, my dad will yell at you. So you're out, I'm out there working. My dad always wanted to show me things on the tractor. He'd be like, I want to show you how to do this. And then we'd be doing it. And then he'd start yelling at me. And I wanted to learn. But my want to learn was outweighed by not liking being yelled at. You know what I mean? Like, I'll work with anyone. But if you're going to be yelling at me, that I'm not into it. I'm not into being yelled at. So... I also was watching a home video. Speaking of VHS tapes, I was watching this home video. Now, I posted this on my Instagram at dustyslay.com. No, I don't know why I keep saying dot com to everything. It's at dustyslay on Instagram. And I posted this video. And this video is um, my mom, me and my mom had gone to Gatlinburg. This is 1992. I'm 10 years old. And I think she had just gotten this VHS camcorder because we're pretty pumped about it. And we're standing on a bridge, and you can hear me in my high pitched southern voice going, Mama, Mama, you know. (laughs) And uh, so my mom is on this uh, bridge, and this couple walks up, this older couple, and my mom films them as they walk, come up, and start looking over the bridge. And she's just got the camera straight on them. Now, you can't hide filming somebody on a vhs camcorder your whole it sets on your shoulder i mean your whole upper body has to be facing them so she's facing these people and just filming them and you can see the guy look up kind of awkward like like what's this lady doing and then they just look at each other and then they walk off but as they walk off they have to pass right by my mom and they keep looking at her and my mom and the lady gives my mom like that look that you give each other I don't know people say it's the look that white people give each other where you kind of it's kind of a smile but it's also kind of like a yep alright here we are you know what I mean and uh, she gives her that look and then my mom goes smile where are you from <laughs> and they're like Baltimore and she's like oh great and it's like my mom had no follow up to it but why would she she just she was just like alright I got a camera now I'm filming people and we had a good time, and uh, but it's a very awkward video. I recommend uh, checking it out. And uh, on my Instagram at Dusty Slay, is a lot of people have moved into my apartment complex with dogs, right? And I gotta, I don't, I don't hate dogs, all right? People think I hate dogs. I don't hate dogs, but what I don't like is just these dogs that are just around, just barking at you all the time. Oh, bless me! And uh, they're just walking around. They bark at each other. The the owners seem like they can barely hold them back sometimes. And these dogs, it's like these dogs are just taking over the neighborhood. And it's like everybody just thinks that their dogs are so cute and that everybody loves their dogs. And it's like we just don't. We just don't all love your dogs. And. Uh, So, well, I hope this has been a good podcast. I don't know how any of these go. I mean, I just try to cram in a bunch of things. I try to keep it interesting. I want to talk about, you know, my life. I want to talk about comedy. I want to talk about what's going on tonight. I'll be at Zany's uh, charity show, Scott Hamilton Cares. It's a charity to raise money for cancer research. Uh, I hear there's going to be some famous people there. Uh, Of course, I'll be there, and I'm very famous. Uh, It's a video I have on YouTube. Check that out. Very funny very funny i'm very famous very rich and um and henry cho and jeff allen will also be on the show great comics uh, it's going to be a very exciting time i hope that you come there i have a show august 1st in huntsville alabama uh i have a show july 19th in coleman alabama so several alabama shows for people to check out and um I think that's going to do it. Uh, if you're in Seaside this weekend, I'll see you there. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, if you're listening to this, go on to iTunes and give us a rating. Give us a five-star rating. Give us a review because uh, the more we get, the better it looks, the more views we get. we are getting a lot of listeners, and I'm very excited about it. I want to keep it going. I'm going to try to edit in some music that was made for me by my buddy Matt Price. Uh, so check that out and uh thank you very much and we're having a good time